Welcome to The Course Consultant Show, where customer experience and retention bring more revenue and profit into your business. If you're ready to make a bigger impact on your course customers with better curriculum and sustainable processes, you're in the right place. Now, back to the show. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Course Consultant Show. I'm here with a very special guest, Marisa. We are going to be talking all about how you can create profit and price your programs, services, and products for getting more revenue in your business. And so I'm very excited to be talking all about this. Marisa is so cool. Let's just take a look at this fabulous photo. Hey, oh, purple hair. So amazing. (laughs) And we love talking about about profit and Mm -hmm. pricing strategies for your business. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, remove that photo there. And Marisa, just give us a little bit more about how you got started with pricing your products and services. Where do we get started when we're thinking about creating profitable programs? We're not just coming up with prices just on a No, no. In fact, I think that's where most people start. They'll I'll say, you know, how much is this product or program start, you know, cost? And they'll say, uh, I think like $4.99. And I'm like, where'd you get that price? Um, you know, part of it is definitely pricing for the audience that you want to sell to. There are expectations at every um, audience level, whether you're working with somebody who's like, they they want luxury or they want prestige or they want exclusive. There are price tags that come with that. But for the most part, I really like to look at pricing from a more practical and and intensely logical uh, standpoint, as someone pointed out recently that it was. And that is how much do we need to make? in the next 12 months, the next three years, the next five years. Because what I find is that people will create this course, they'll create this program, and they will just assign this arbitrary price. And they don't actually take into account that if they spent the next 12 months, three years marketing it, they'll never actually reach their monetary goals. So I like to start with this incredible opportunity to say, okay, how much do I actually need? How much do I actually need, not only for my business to grow and scale, but for my own life to thrive? And, you know, how much do I need to to bring on support? How much do I need? And go from there and build that program, build that course that actually accompanies that container. So then we're putting stuff into a course. We're putting stuff into a program that actually uh, fills out the price that we need to. So that sounds really simplistic, but there are other sides to it. There are other sides. How do you feel when, when when I say that to you? What do you think? Yeah, so I think one thing I really want to just pinpoint what you said is that pricing can feel really arbitrary, especially when you're coming up with a new product or program or you're trying to revisit a program that you've sold in the past. And as you mentioned, the question that you asked is, how did you come up with that specific price? And for the most part, especially for online business owners or in the coaching and consulting space, we have a habit of comparing ourselves to our peers. And so we're saying, oh, okay, it's very standard to charge $47 for this or $97 for this. But when in reality, every business has different kinds of overhead costs Mm -hmm. for delivery. And then also uh, you have a lot of different considerations to consider when it comes to like, let's say, for example, the course platform, right? And I ask this question all the time to my students inside my membership. 
what is the overhead fee of you actually delivering this course, this program, this mastermind, or this cohort? And many times the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> and so um, that that's the number one thing that I see. And then number two, I think your eyebrows look great. The bangs are looking popping. So I just wanted to shout you out there, Marisa, pop in here with the eyebrows looking on fleek. No one says that anymore, right? No one says on fleek. Yeah, I mean, I might have gone and, and got them done specifically for this. I was like, you know, I just feel like people should be able to see my eyes. Um, yeah, again, pandemic. So that's interesting. So let's talk about this. So yeah, just got my eyebrows done, right? Um, it was interesting because I, as I was getting my eyebrows done, I was thinking about like the price, how the price has not uh, gone up at all in in the two years since I've gone yes it was two years uh, but what that means is hi you're back <laughs> is that you know their costs haven't gone up there you know the cost of them doing the eyebrow the cost of the wax the cost of the overhead but these are the things that we want to actually keep track of because when we talk about courses when we talk about programs sometimes the platforms that we're using actually do increase in price as we add in people so the platform that i use we get about a thousand people in at the first level and then as you add in your 1500 2000 2500 to 10,000, it actually does cost you quite a bit more so part of that is looking and seeing how are you going to scale the program how are you actually going to bring more people in and what are the incremental costs as it goes up and if we're not looking at our numbers then our numbers are not looking at us so we really do have to focus where we want to go so we always start in the profit plan we start with this big number this 12 months and say okay what does it actually look like for your business to profit and and what does it look like to have that income that you want to create and we actually go through that and we add in things like taxes and all this pesky stuff that we don't always want to think about but guess what it's still there it's still a cost of doing business and then we look and actually say okay how many people can i serve how many people can i get into the program this year how many can i get into each you know iteration or every time i run it or is an evergreen are we pushing people to it and then we start to play with the numbers a bit and then we also look at your audience so if the audience that you're currently looking at or serving is not at the buying level of where you need to be, you have to play with things. You either add things into your mix, your product mix, or you start to look at the audience that you want to serve that actually matches that level. And there is an audience for everybody. Now, it does mean that you might have to offer a slightly different uh, course or program, or you might have have some different services, but that's okay. Like that's okay. You you actually can go out to that market and say, what are you looking for at this price point? What would you expect to see in this program? And then you build it for them. Mm -hmm. And then you've got that language. That's where we bring in that market research, right? So we actually start to build these products and services, these programs or courses that are really tailored to what our audience that's that's willing to pay for that is at. And I know there's going to be somebody out there watching this right now saying, I really just want to serve people who want to pay, who, who can only pay under $100. I will say, when you get your business to the point where your, your revenue allows you to have a really healthy profit margin, you've actually gone through and saw what your overhead costs are, your profit and your revenue. When you are able to do that, you can help a lot more people. You can use, uh, you know, accessible pricing. You can use pay what you can. You can use pay it backward modems. But if you are just starting out, if you're just launching your first or your second course, 
get the audience in that you want. The other thing I hear a lot is people will say, I just need my first 10 people in and then I'll raise my price. But what happens is that price is a part of your marketing message. So what you've done is you've gone out and you're starting to market at those 10 people that want it at this price with this container and you're not developing the audience that wants to pay it at the higher price with this container. And so this is an opportunity for us to take a look at our business and really say, okay, who am I serving here? Who am I putting this out to? Who do I want to have in here? Who do I want to create with? And start to create that together. So that it isn't just you created this whole product and then you're slapping a price tag on it and then you hope that your audience somehow wants it. You're actually creating things in tandem in order to help you thrive. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love for you to join me inside the free customer success community. Inside the community, we have free workshops every single week to help you improve your customer experience, retain your customers, and grow your recurring revenue. Not to mention, we have lots of fun checking in, getting accountable, and achieving our goals. I can't wait to see you inside. Join me at thecourseconsultant.com slash customer success community. That's thecourseconsultant.com slash customer success community. See you inside. Yeah, and I, I just, I think that a lot of the times when it comes to program development, as someone who has background in instructional design and corporate training, when you're thinking about scaling, you have to think about what is the amount of people that you're serving. So when it comes to the actual development of the course, I have this actual diagram and I wish I had it right now, but basically I think that a lot of people don't talk about this is that if you have a low ticket membership, you're going to have to focus on high volume of sales. Like what are the number of seats that you have to fill? Or, you know, if you're looking at booking a high ticket group coaching program, a mastermind, a cohort, uh, something that's application based, that's going to be higher levels of support, then we need to look at other factors in that, in the sense that, okay, yes, you're going to have less seats, it's going to be a higher revenue price point. But what's the messages, like you said, that you need to attract that kind of audience. And then secondly, what's the team that's needed to support that. So, you know, some of the, the clients and customers that I work with, they're actually looking at hiring group coaches to come and support this. Well, obviously that factors into the price that you are going to sell that program at. And if you're hiring on full-time team members or even part-time team members or a contractor, we need to evaluate what those costs are. And it's so easy to say blanket statements like scale with a team, just hire a person. But when it comes to actually revisiting those numbers, I think a lot of times it can be easy to skip it because we're so busy focused on just scale, just scale, just scale right. when we're not looking at the base foundations of those numbers, which I absolutely love about the way that you teach inside the profit yeah. plan. So let's talk a little bit more about that. How do you follow your framework for organizing your finances to make sure that your pro programs are one, sustainable for you and yeah. two, also profitable so that you can sustain your business. Yeah, so you mentioned the cost of adding in coaches or administration. If you have any kind of community, you know, you're looking at one mod for every thousand people or so. So sometimes we're like, I'm just going to have like a 10,000 person community. Well, you also have to have moderators and, and people helping you along. There are other costs that are often ignored, and that is things like 
chatbots. Well, we might have a chatbot on our website, but if you are having a low ticket membership where you have to bring in, a, a, like we're talking 5,000, 10,000 people in there to make it profitable, you don't have time to answer every question that comes on your website. And I love what you have done and showed in the knowledge base that you can have both externally and internally to help people manage that. But at the same time, there are still going to be people who never will use the automated knowledge base and they're just going to hit, I want to come, I want an email, right? So we have to think about the admin costs. We have to think about the website. We have to think about the marketing. We have to think about any kind of advertising that we do. Anytime that you sign up for Tailwind or anytime you go on AppSumo and you add in an additional, that all has a cost in your business. So what happens though is a lot of people don't just have just a membership or a course or a cohort. They've got a, a bunch of different services. And there are these overhead costs, these um, we, you know, we operating costs that we call it that are shared across services. So part of the thing that I do is I figure out what's my operating cost for my entire business. And I have an event business and I have a coaching business. Um, so we, we have both different kinds of operating costs, but we do share some things like website hosting. I, I have subdomains amongst both of them. So they both, both of those businesses share that cost. So what we do is we split it, it up. And then we have what I call, we pay the house. Um, it's just a term that I think it's like a, you know, it's used in a few different industries and some people will pick up on that, but it is like, this is how much all of our products and services have to pay in order for us to pay our operating costs. So that's one of the biggest things that I look at is like, do you know what your basic operating cost is? And do you know if a percentage of the, the products that you're offering in your mix take a portion of that. And what portion is it? Because you can actually split that up. That's also going to help your pricing. You can have a, a core a group program that is low ticket and you're bringing a lot of people in, but that might just be to cover the cost of your operating costs and everything else on top of that is part of the funnel. Knowing that role of each part of your product mix helps you create this pricing strategy helps you pay for your operating costs. So when we look at the profit plan, the first step is we, what number do you need? What number does your business need? And what number do you need? Uh, and so what we do is we usually do them together. You can do them separately. It's a budget. I know some people hate doing budgets, but the reality is, is that you aren't going to be able to grow and scale without knowing what you need. And we can do it over the next 12 months, the next three years, the next five years. And I do encourage people to do those lengths of time because businesses rarely grow one year at a time. We're already planning 2023. You and I both, we would say, okay, what's the calendar? What's coming out in 2023 already? Because the things that we're putting in place in 2022 feed into 2023. That's a resilient business plan. So we take a look what that number is. We make sure that taxes are included. And then we know how much we have to create. And sometimes this number scares people. Sometimes it's like people look at it and go, oh, this isn't bad. This is, this is kind of what I'm doing right now, which is great. You had an intuition, you were guiding you, but now you know exactly what that number is. And you know how to play with the numbers, how to play with the profit in order to increase if you do need to expand in the coming years. So that's the first step. And it, it sometimes it shakes people. Sometimes it's just like, oh, okay. The next step gets people though, because what we do is we take a look at all of your current products and services and we divide as if you are only selling one thing. And the reason why we do that is because people say, oh, I've got five or six things I'm offering. This mm -hmm. allows you very quickly to see if you have to pivot or if you have any kind of illness in your family or yourself or what you can do to create products and services that allow you to still create the income or if you have to shift to marketing. The pandemic was a great example of where all of a sudden 
you might not have been able to do in-person events. So where do you shift your focus? How do you shift your product mix? How do you shift your marketing? You know exactly how much you have to bring in. Now, this is also where people say, oh, this $97 product that I've been trying to sell and putting all my focus in will never get me to my goals. And yeah, that's it. That's how we're ending up burned out and exhausted at the end of the year because we did not, we were not marketing the right thing. Or we didn't have it set up so that that 97 was like, you know, an entry level and bringing them up to the funnel to have something else. So that's the second step. How did you, how do you like that step? So I think I want to just take a moment and talk about step one and step two, because I feel like step one, people already are like glazing over, you know, we're having people, you know, the eyes glaze over, you get that zombie effect, you know, you're feeling like, okay, we're talking about money, ew. No, it's actually fun. It's so much fun. Or or the numbers. (laughs) Yeah, well, the numbers. The first step is actually we put down all the things that we need. And and sometimes sometimes that's painful because it's like we've been denying ourselves something like new clothes or a vacation or education or something that helps us just really relax, like a uh, person who cuts vegetables for us um, so that we can have healthy food. I mean, there are so many things, especially when we look in the world of like neurovariants, um, people who have ADHD and autism, they might be denying themselves things that actually help them perform better because they haven't actually factored that in. That that exercise is an example. I had a client who we actually went through, we did the first exercise, it was fine. He was like, meh. And then the second, we, we did the second and third part of the exercise, so the product and pricing. And there was this extra amount of money. And I was like, was there something on the first step that you just missed? This gentleman started to get a little teary. And he said, you mm-hmm. know what, honestly, I want a villa in Italy, in Tuscany. And I was that like, sounds really? amazing. <laughs> Sign me up. Where do I sign up? (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, let's go see how much it is. And so we went and looked and and looked at a few properties and we found some ones that he was interested in. We took the average of that and a mortgage for that was about the same amount that he was wanting to sell his products for. So it actually worked out. It was a little bit of magic in there. But, you know, he wrote it down. He actually had the ability not only to, to put that in as a mortgage payment, but we were able to put in a down payment into his, into his, um, budget. And that's a big step. You might not be able to afford the new car or the new house this year in the next 12 months, but you're going to put away something. You're going to have, you know, what I call the oh crap fund, which is like, it's either your furnace breaks, your roof blows off, or you get an opportunity to go on an amazing trip and you just cannot pass it up. It's that money that doesn't come out of our savings. It doesn't come out of our retirement. doesn't come away from any. It's just money that we need in order for us to have a really good life. So we start to take a look at those things. It's a fun, it sounds painful it's a fun exercise and everybody comes away with it with something. Sometimes it's only the only step people do uh, and then they wait and they come back and that's okay too. It's still important to know what those numbers are. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, um, with doing that, it's really freeing, right? Like, cause you, then you start to see this is attainable because if it's a vague thought in your mind, like, yeah. like for instance, one of my goals is to purchase a house in Hawaii. I don't think I told you yeah. that. Um, no. And so I want to purchase a house in Hawaii and I would yeah. love to live in that house uh, with my growing family. And I think it's amazing. And, you know, looking at that, well, how much does it cost? It becomes more of a realistic, attainable goal when we start to see measurable metrics, right? Like, okay, well, in order to do this, I need to have X amount of sales and I need this amount of seats to be filled and I need to achieve this. And um, I want to touch on your second step 
step with like thinking through the funnel and everything, because I know you have some amazing steps. But I think when it comes to analyzing what your offers are, sometimes you can look back, like you said, is does this even fit in my business anymore? It wasn't attracting the right audience. Is that actually serving me the way I want to? And it, as you kind of look through, as you've looked at your product mix, as you describe it, sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't fit anymore. And um, sometimes it means retiring offers or, you know, mm-hmm. looking at, okay, where is this leading people? Because as you mentioned, you know, you, if you have a lower ticket membership, what's at the back end of that membership? Is there a, you know, one-on-one group uh, or a one-on-one coaching opportunity? Is there a yeah. service related there? And sometimes, and then like I've told some of my students, you know, sometimes people will just start at the top. They don't have to go up through the value ladder or the funnel nope. or whatever. You know, there's a lot of ways to get served and there's a different audience for each product or program. And so I think it's very important to understand that, especially when people are sometimes overcomplicating it. I feel like when they're thinking, oh, I have to have this $47 offer, which leads into a mastermind and it's going to be X amount of dollars. And then before then there's this free opt-in and it has to be so perfect. But yet we always sometimes forget, okay, let's think with the end in mind. The end is products and programs are serving myself, my business, my profit, and also thinking about how you can really take that and grow over time, whether with scaling with a team or really just feeling that your curriculum and your program delivery is not draining every inch of your mind and your body. (laughs) Yeah. And it can be a wake up call because some people are like, oh, this is my entry level. And then we realize that in order for them to meet their overall goals with all of their product mix, they have to sell six, they have to get 6,000 seats you know, in order in the one product in order to pay for the the marketing or the advertising or the overhead costs of the bigger product. And, you know, that might just not be practical if you don't already have a huge marketing budget and a defined audience. So we're able to take a step back. And this is, you know, the idea behind this isn't to frustrate or to make people go, oh my gosh, I spent all this time working on something. It's, it's kind of realist, like it's a realist approach, but it'll also allows you to really build the things that do light you up for the audience that does make you excited because sometimes we just get stuck in these ruts. We think we have to do this. We think we have to offer this because like you said, we compare, we compare ourselves to other people. But when we actually start to listen to ourselves and we start to listen to our audience, we realize that maybe we've got an even better idea, something that people are not using or not um, knowing that it's out there. And that gives us that freedom and that permission. Now, one thing I will say, too, is something that we don't build into that first step is research and development and creativity time. Okay, so being able to say how much of my new product, I'm going to create a new cohort or a new group program, how long do I really need to develop that? And I know there's some people that say, well, sell before you're ready or sell as soon as you start thinking about the idea. And that can be a danger, right? Because I know that when I come up with the first idea and I go through my first run through, I'm so excited. I start typing and then I start watching people go through it. Or even like three weeks later, I'm talking to somebody very randomly. Also, I'm like, oh my gosh, I came at this the entire way wrong. I go back in and I refine it. So I know for me, it can take three to six months just to think of an idea, just to kind of massage it, just to put it through its paces. So I build that in because I have to pay myself. I have to pay myself with other things in order to give myself time to do that so that I'm not constantly trying to do the hustle, trying to go out there and and make money just so that I can develop this new product. 
Yeah. And I think, I think for me, I have gone through the profit plan and I need to revisit again because, you know, there's times when I just need to go back at the numbers. Okay. Where we are, was there anything added? Did I remove yeah. anything? Where, where are we at? You know, are we on track? Um, one of the things that I have fell into and I've kind of talked with you about before is that I will sometimes just get in the habit of creating because I am a very creative person. I love doing yes. new things. It's so much fun to think of a new idea. And my husband coins it an idea person. Yes. And I very much think that I am an idea person. But when it comes to selling one thing over and over and over and consistently, you know, it is can be a challenge to actually say, okay, this year, I'm going to focus strategically on this offer. You know, mm -hmm. for, for me, who's like jumping from offer to offer to offer, I've had to really reel that back in and say, okay, if the goal is to achieve this, then yes. I need to be able to focus on this. And I am not very focused all the time. And so, you know, thinking about that and thinking about how you can really, really map out what that looks like for your year, I think has been so freeing for me to see on my calendar the strategic little steps instead of going hustle, 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 new offer, new thing, new idea, and then in and out. It's more strategic. Everything feels more aligned. My calendar feels uh, better because it doesn't feel like I'm just coming up with little steps and little wins here and there. It's very, yes. you know, freeing, like I said, to, to have that. So um, what other steps can you talk about when it comes to the profit plan? Because we've, we've already covered step one and two. Yeah. I mean, the next step is pricing because sometimes we have to go back. Now, the idea you touched on this, you have to go back to the profit plan. The idea about the profit plan is it's not just a one and done. It really is meant to be this like a best friend to your business. It's an ongoing planning tool. I recommend at least going through once a year as an annual planning. We go through in the business accelerator four times a year. Uh, so we're going to do quarterly check-ins just to see where we're at. And the reason why we do that is because things change, things change in our life. All of a sudden we have, you know, family members that need additional support. We want to do education. There's things that come up, right? So we want to keep coming back to those numbers. I always recommend if you have a business partner or a significant other to have them do the exercise separately from you. And then you do that comparison because what one person's idea of a really great life or a really great business might not be matched. So it's a great communications tool to make sure that everybody's on track. Um, but every step of the way, so as we go through step two, step three, step four, they really do always come back to step one because when all of a sudden we say, oh, okay, this product and service doesn't match, I now have to adjust the pricing or I have to adjust the support in order or I have to adjust the marketing, which are the other steps. So we have price, it, it goes your budget, your financial forecast, your pricing, your products, your pricing, your uh, support system, and then your marketing. And it doesn't necessarily have to go in that order. That's just kind of like my, you know, I'm like, this is kind of what we go through. We're going to go back always to step one, because as soon as you add in support, whether that's an admin or an assistant coach or marketing support or any of that kind of, it could be tools or people. People, you're going to go back to your budget, you're going to add that money and you're going to check your prices, you're going to check your products, are you still aligned with that. So it is definitely a kind of like I go I do step one, I figure this out, I, I come to terms, I come to terms with my numbers, I get used to my numbers, they feel comfortable I move on to products I move on to prices I move on to support, which can also be very jarring where people feel like they've been doing a lot themselves. And being able to factor in the cost of hiring somebody or the cost of 
tools. Now, one of the things I always recommend too, when you're hiring somebody new into your business, you know, are you making plans to have three to six months of their salary already in your business when you go to hire them? And the reason why is because you never know when all of a sudden a pandemic is going to shut down and you have to make sure that their their budget, that they can still pay the rent. But realization is that it can take three to six months for a person to actually have that ROI in your business. And I know people don't want to hear that. They want to hear that they went and got a VA and the second week that they're working, they're already doing so much stuff. That's not how it works. There is an onboarding process with your, um, your support team, just as there is with your customers and your clients. So it's recognizing that is making sure you have the money. Now, this is one thing I hear a lot too. They'll say, when I get to $30,000, I'll think about hiring someone. Well, the problem with that is that they haven't already budgeted for the cost of that person in their pricing structure. So mm-hmm. when they get to 30000 mm-hmm. they also still can't hire someone because they're still operating on their solo budget. So even if you can't hire them for six months or a year, put their put their put that in there. There's a tool in this step also that helps you actually capture how much it costs for you to do the task and how much a tool or a person does to, to do the task. And it's a really great way to see, oh, all of a sudden, I, it's actually costing my business for me to do this alone. So that helps you kind of really take a look and go, okay, I need to make some adjustments. I need to hire on support or get a tool in place or a process in place that helps me fix this. But it also helps you price better because you actually know exactly how much it's going to cost to get the tool or to get the person in your business. So that's step four. And then marketing, because we have to have a plan. We have to have a whole focus to go out there. And here, and you mentioned it, right? When you get into creator mode, you, and, and this is a bad habit. And I know we are all guilty of it. You put out a post and then you hear crickets. And what happens? Your brain starts going into like, oh no, nobody wanted this. And it's like, come on. Like the first time somebody hears about it, it might take them seven, 10, 12 times hearing about it before they can even go, hey, what is this? And then to make that buying decision. So what this allows you to do is actually create that marketing plan. I use what's called lifecycle marketing, and it basically follows the person from when they've never even heard of you, they don't even know you exist, to things like a a repeat buyer and a lapse buyer um, and an ongoing buyer. And it's like, how do we create marketing? How do we create ongoing communication and engagement at all of these steps that really allows you to maximize your overhead and your operating costs? And it allows you to have a higher profit structure uh, in order for your business to grow. Yeah, I I think when it comes to that, there's a lot of that factors into the marketing, like there's costs associated with it. And I think that when you start doing paid advertisement, it's really important to start tracking the metrics of, okay, not just, you know, the return on ad spend, but actually looking at what was the actual cost of acquiring the customer? Um, Because Mm -hmm. when it comes to actually getting them into your services and your offers, we want to start looking at the longevity of how long this customer is going to be working with us, you know, how much you priced your product, the average order value of your uh, product or program. And that's really relative to what your overhead costs are and the pricing that you have. Not to mention when you're thinking about looking at long-term growth and long-term sustainability, all of these things, all the the numbers, it it becomes a, a better way to see Am I on track? Am I not on track? How can I be even better? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, when it comes to looking at the sales too, you can be really awesome at making sales, you know, book hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales. But if we're not looking at 
tracking, okay, here's where the income is going towards the team, it's going towards the tool, it's going towards this and that, it can be a little bit difficult to actually see where your money is going and how much profit you're making and how it relates back to your goals. And so for those people who are awesome ad sales, great. Um, And for people who are just, you know, maybe getting more confident in sales, looking at your numbers is definitely the, the most important thing when it comes to forecasting projections and goals. So yes, so you have talked about the five steps of the profit plan. What are you up to now in your business? Is there anything that people should know about applying the profit plan into their own programs and products and services? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It is you know, we've talked about this, it is a life, it is a lifetime of your business tool. So it is something I work with on all my one-to-one clients, but it is something that I saw that people might've, you know, I originally created this, it was actually a challenge. And then I saw people having such amazing results with it that I created this, a course. But what happened, I saw people would go in, sign up once, and then not necessarily keep using it in their business. So it turned into a membership. And then it turned into the business accelerator, which is an ongoing community uh, with daily support, daily access, where we can go through the profit plan. Because here's the challenge is that we forget we forget about what's good for us. And it's just because we get so busy. We're making the bread. We're making, you know, we're making, we're working with the key people. Like it, any business, doesn't matter if you're in person or digital, you get wrapped up in it. And being able to come back into the profit plan allows you to have a reset. It allows you to do some pivoting if you do want to make a big growth step. And it also just allows you to be like, yeah, okay, I'm on track. I'm I'm doing good. So it's, a, it's also there for you just to make sure that you are not going to get the end of the year, do your taxes and go, Oh, no, my overhead was so much more than my profit. And this is why I don't have the ability to hire on a new person or to grow or scale into the new year. So I'm always really excited when people do this. Um, Some of the businesses that have taken it into action, they're still using it six years later. And I think it's amazing, because once we get into the habit of doing it, you don't necessarily have to sit down with all of I mean, I have spreadsheets, so many spreadsheets where I go in and I play with the numbers. But I do it in my head now, right? I'm like, okay, wait, is this, is this even feasible? Is this actually going to make it? So whenever I come up with a new idea now, I quickly run it through the profit plan and I go, okay, I got to make this tweak or I need to go and do market research. One of the things that we think about, we forget is the cost of acquisition. So sometimes people think the cost of acquisition of a customer is only in ad dollars. It's you. Mm -hmm. You mentioned somebody that's really good in sales. Every time you get on a call with a person, you want to know what that worth is, what that dollar amount is. And you, and you record it. And I know it seems like really crazy, but it's like, if you actually get to the end of the year and you go, Oh my goodness, I actually paid myself this much money to get on sales calls. And I know this might be something people are like, I don't pay myself to go on sales calls. You should, you should be paying yourself for every time you update your website, paying yourself every time you go to the mailbox to mail out something. These are all tasks in your business that you might eventually hire for. So therefore you should be paying yourself for that. If you don't know what that number is, scaling and resiliency is going to be really hard. It is going to be really difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think when I had an agency, you know, looking at the cost of hiring a team to support the activities that I did day to day, I actually wasn't aware of what I was doing, the time it took me to do something, and the proficiency level that I needed to be and my team needed to be at in order to achieve the goals that I had in mind. And so as I, you know, was making, you know, 
great money, I started to see, oh, shoot, you know, things are slipping, they're not as proficient in this. And then the cost, you know, rose as I continue to train them, which I think is important long term to see, okay, you know, if I've already trained this person, let's try to keep this person if they're performing well, on the team, and we'll grow yes. the team. And like you said, you know, pricing the program and the product to, uh, you know, actually leverage the cost of that team member is very important. And and I think I've made that mistake in the past. It's just, you know, oh, I know it's going to cost this time and I'm doing all this estimates based off of delivery from what I know, but it's not factoring in the cost of the team. It's not factoring the cost of the training. It's not factoring the cost of, you know, what they cost or, you know, even if there's revisions that need to be done. Right. So, mm -hmm. so many things have to be considered when we're thinking about pricing and programs. So, Y'all need to hang out with Marisa. Marisa is amazing. I'm inside of the Business Accelerator and the Create the Rules community. It's so much fun. Marisa, oh my goodness, yeah. it's just been so much fun. I have Thanks loved having you. having you on today's show. Any last words and where people can find you for your business? I mean, createtherules.com. That's the best way to come find us. Uh, we have everything on there, including the business accelerator. We want to keep people in our programs. We want to keep people loving what we do because they're going to tell other people and they're going to tell other people. And that's one of the best ways that you can grow your business. So I'm so glad that you're focusing on this. I'm so excited. This is very much needed in the business world. And I'm excited that you're leading this because we need more of it. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, thanks so much for being on today's show. I am so excited to share this with my community. Marisa, I have so appreciated your time and I hope you have a good rest of your day. The episode might be over, but the party doesn't stop. Make sure that you head on over to www.thecourseconsultant.com slash customer success community so that you can get plugged in, connected, and grow your recurring revenue. That's it for today's episode. Can't wait to see you inside the app. Chat soon.